Hello everyone. This is the CircuitPython Weekly for July 27th, 2020. It's the time of week where we get together to talk about all things CircuitPython. I'm Jeff Hepler, and I'm sponsored by Adafruit to work on CircuitPython. CircuitPython is a version of Python designed to run on tiny computers called microcontrollers. Development of CircuitPython is primarily sponsored by Adafruit, so support them by purchasing hardware from adafruit.com. This meeting is hosted on the Adafruit Discord server. You can join anytime by going to adafru.it slash discord. We hold the meeting in the CircuitPython text channel and the CircuitPython voice channel. This meeting typically happens Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern time, but the date occasionally varies for U.S. holidays. We have an online calendar. If you'd like to be notified about the meetings via Discord, let us know, and we will add you to the CircuitPythonistas role. The length of the meeting varies, but it's often from 60 to 90 minutes long. This meeting is recorded, both the text on the CircuitPython text channel and the audio on the CircuitPython audio channel, and it will be posted to YouTube and released on various podcast services. If you find we're not available on your favorite podcast service, let us know. Uh, this meeting is accompanied by a notes document. If you wish to participate but don't have a mic, or just prefer not to have your voice recorded for any reason, you can add your updates to the notes doc and we'll read them off. If you can't attend at all, you can still leave your notes in advance and likewise we'll read them for you. The document is updated with time codes, if I remember, so that if you want to watch or listen to just part of the meeting after the fact, you can skip to what you're interested in. If you're listening in, please let us know that you're lurking so we can skip over you during the round-robin portions of this meeting. If possible, please put it in the notes document. If not, let us know by saying just listening or lurking in the text channel. This meeting is held in five parts. First, community news with links, links to CircuitPython projects and a preview of the Python on Hardware newsletter. Second, the state of CircuitPython libraries and Blinka. We'll look at numbers that summarize the health of the project and get a high-level summary of recent development and future direction. Third, and the first of two round-robin sections, is Hug Reports. In Hug Reports, we invite you to highlight positive contributions from the awesome folks around us. In the round-robin sections, we'll start with the moderator and continue in alphabetical fashion until everyone has had a chance to speak. If you're lurking, we'll skip over you. If you have notes, the moderator will read them aloud. Fourth, status updates. During status updates, we invite community members to take a few minutes to talk about their CircuitPython-related work, progress, and plans. Feel free to chime in with quick tips or advice as appropriate. Quick questions and answers are perfect for this section, but longer discussions should be taken to our last section, In the Weeds. For topics that are more open-ended, this is the section where we can discuss them. If you have something else you'd like to discuss, please add it to the end of the In the Weeds section of the notes document as soon as you think of it, and tag it with your name so we'll know who's leading the discussion. We'll cover topics in the weeds in the order they were added to the document. With that, I will take a time code and we'll continue to community news. Uh, there was a ton of stuff in the newsletter draft and uh, I just picked a few top items. So top of the top is Python leads the IEEE top programming languages for 2020. It's been a turbulent year since the last time IEEE Spectrum broke out the digital measuring tools to probe the relative popularity of programming languages. Yet one thing remains constant, the dominance of Python. Um, as far as projects go, I learned about Alice Robot, a Connect-controlled FPV mini-mech powered by CircuitPython on an Adafeather microcontroller. The skeleton is 3D printed on an MP Delta mini printer. 
And I hope somebody will grab these links and start uh, putting them in the text chat because that is an awesome way for everybody to see the stuff we're talking about. Thank you, Anonymous Dingo. Uh, Circuit Python Day is 9-9-2020. Adafruit has chosen September 9 as the snakiest day of the year for Circuit Python Day. Much more to come on events and happenings to include a Circuit Python team live stream, collaboration with hardware and software folks, and highlighting all things Python and Python on hardware. Do you have ideas? Send them via email to circuitpythonday at adafruit.com. Uh, Adafruit update. Adafruit is shipping orders. Production is up, and now is the best time to get the Adafruit you've been waiting for. More projects. We've got a workshop clock, which I believe is from our very own Cedar Grove. A workshop clock with pandemic-inspired What Is Today display is ready for debut. No internet required and ready for the zombie apocalypse. Inspired by John Park's Metro Minimalist Clock Project, programmed in CircuitPython. And then we have uh, more time, a productivity timer, another Pomodoro-like device with Adafruit Feather components from Blaine on Twitter. First time using CircuitPython, and it's awesome. I'm not sure if that went with that item or with a different item. Uh, but anyway, moving on, we've got UF2 and CircuitPython on Serpano, which is a cute little board that uh, plugs right into your breadboard and looks like it's just ready to go. Uh, so this Twitter post covers assembly and bring up, and there is also a YouTube. Uh, near and dear to my heart, PyOhio 2020, uh, where I met Katni and various other CircuitPython peeps in 2019, did it virtually online today, and uh, all of their videos are available in one playlist. So I invite you to check those out. And now we are ready for the state of CircuitPython, Libraries, and Blinka after I take another time code. So um, I guess I will tackle the overall section because I did not negotiate with Scott that he would do it. So overall, <laughs> hi, Jerry. Um, Overall, we just released uh, 6.0 Alpha 2, and we are getting some awesome feedback from the community. And in our internal meeting, Scott discussed that he would like to address some of those items and release uh, the next Alpha soon, hopefully this week. Um, and I can't really speak to the library side of things because I haven't been keeping an eye on it. But uh, yeah, and we're just also starting this ramp up to CircuitPython Day, so we really welcome if you have any ideas or suggestions on what we should be doing. So, oh, Scott is back and just in time to tell us what is going on with the core. Oh, I have more to do. Thank you. Uh, whoever was typing into the document for me. So uh, we have the numbers and the stats because part of the state of CircuitPython libraries and Blinka is uh, getting a numbers-based overview of the health of the project. So last week, we had 23 pull requests merged with 14 authors, including uh, some that I'm less familiar with, Birdie B and 2BNDY5, I think we've had before, but I don't uh, see the names regularly. Um, let's see, GPHI, I think, is new, and I don't recognize Phil Schenk. We also have 10 reviewers to thank, Maker Melissa, Jepler, Tanut, Brent, Higher Effect, Dehirata, Sedacious, Lady Ada, G.F. Barros, who is a name I'm not familiar with, and D. Halbert. As far as issues go, we are up by a few. We had 13 closed issues by 9 people and 19 opened, also by 9 people. So things are going up a little bit there. 
And uh, now I will actually turn it over to Scott to tell us about the core. Hello. Thank you, Jeff. Hey, Scott. Uh, hello. Uh, so for the core, we had 10 pull requests merged from six different authors. Uh, Birdie B, Dave Putz are relatively new. Uh, Zobs and Warrior Wire are also relatively new or infrequent contributors. So thank you to those folks. Uh, on the reviewer side, we had five reviewers. So thank you to all our reviewers. And again, as always, we are always looking for reviewers. So if you want to help out with that, please let us know. Uh, we have 14 open poll requests where the oldest uh, two are 71 days and 60 days. But I believe at least some of those are draft. Uh, so we don't have to worry too much about them. And then we have a number that are four days or older or less, which is great. Uh, Issues-wise, we had one closed issue by one person and eight opened by four people. So we're definitely net down for a total of 315 open issues that you can check at github.com slash Adafruit slash CircuitPython slash issues. Uh, Breakdown-wise, for we use milestones to kind of gauge how urgent uh, and when we're going to do those. So we have uh, six issues not assigned to milestone, which means we need to triage them. And then we've got... Uh, seven open issues for 6.0.0, which is the, the most immediate uh, release that we're doing and the things that we should look at the most. So uh, that's where we are with issues. And I'll hand it back over to you, Jeff. Well, actually, Scott, I just want to hear one more thing from you. And that is, uh, you were telling sure. us something about the download stats in, uh, in the other meeting. Yeah. Yeah. So we had an internal meeting earlier. And um, for those of you who don't realize this, the circuitpython.org slash downloads page is organized by download count of the last two releases, uh, which is like the latest stable release and the latest uh, unstable release or the previous unstable release. And the reason that we do that is to is to gauge like how popular boards are. And uh, I pulled the numbers for the 6.0 alpha 2 release last week and two of Seed Studios uh, boards ended up in the top eight, which is really cool. So if you go to the page, Seedduino Wheel Terminal is number three, and the Seedduino Shao is number uh, six. So it's really cool to see uh, some non-Adafruit boards hitting the tops of the page, um, and we're happy to see that Seed's embracing CircuitPython. So keep it up. And uh, this is the reason that I'm so kind of pedantic about having download stats be what orders this page by default because I want everybody to have a chance to make it to those top spots. Awesome. Thank you, Scott. And yep, with that, no problem. Uh, I'll pass it over to Katni to tell us about the libraries. Thanks, Jeff. So this is the information for all of the Adafruit CircuitPython libraries. We have 13 pull requests merged by eight authors, including Phil Shank, who I've not heard of. Um, GPHI, I haven't heard of. Uh, KMatch98 is relatively new, I believe, and 2BNDY5 is new-ish. Um, and we had eight reviewers, including GF Barros, who I've not heard of. Um, so thank you to all of our reviewers and our um, new reviewer and authors. Uh, in terms of pull requests merged, uh, 13 was the number. Um, some of the older ones were 49 and 45 days old, which is excellent. And quite a few were less than a week. Um, leaving us with 38 open pull requests, uh, the oldest of which is still slowly being worked on by the original author. So we have left it open. Um, 
still worth uh, doing a sweep sometime soon to make sure that we are keeping track of what's going on with our PRs. Um, we had 11 closed issues by seven people and 11 open by eight people, leaving us net neutral at 172 open issues. And nine of those are listed as good first issues. If you're interested in contributing to CircuitPython, the libraries are a great place to start. You can check out circuitpython.org contributing, and you'll find a list of open uh, PRs, open issues, and uh, library infrastructure issues related to the libraries. And um, the issues you can sort by label, including good first issues. So if you're new to contributing overall, um, good first issues are nice to start. If you're not, check out bugs or enhancements. Um, if you want something a little more in-depth or complicated, there is a guide available on contributing to CircuitPython using Git and GitHub, um, which was recently updated and is still in the process of being updated. And uh, if you have any questions beyond that, we're always available to help. We want to make sure that you are able to contribute in a way that works for you. Um, and we would love to help you out with that. So you can check us out on Discord um, or reply to a GitHub issue um, and tag one of us and we will see that as well and we can help you there. Um, we had a number of updated libraries in the last seven days, but no new libraries. Um, so thank you to everybody that's been working on this stuff and providing updates. And that's where we are with the libraries. Thank you, Katni. Uh, next, I'm going to hand things over to maker Melissa to tell us about Blinka. Hello. So Blinka is our CircuitPython library compatibility layer for uh, Raspberry Pi and other single board computers. Uh, this week, we did not have any pull requests merged. Uh, there are three open pull requests at the moment, and there was one closed issue by one person and zero open by zero people, uh, leaving a net of 23 open issues. There have been 1,503 PyPI downloads in the last week, and we are currently supporting 52 boards. And that's it. Thank you, Melissa. With that, we are going to move into the first, as soon as I take a time code, um, round robin section of Hug Reports. So just a reminder, uh, we'll start with me. I will kind of demonstrate how it is done. Then we'll continue alphabetically down through the end of the list, loop back to the top uh, until everybody has had a chance to either speak or have their notes written, or their notes read aloud. Uh, so I'm going to go first, and uh, Jerry is up next. So I have a group hug and a hug to Ketney for continuing to help me run this meeting. And uh, she probably has to tell me to add a time code. Uh, here. Uh, and I know there are people I'm forgetting because my brain is a little fried this morning. And uh, one that I'm just uh, re-remembering is, uh, thanks for Higher Effect. We had some reviews from him to me and from me to him. And um, it was pleasant to work together and we made all the code better along the way. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, Katni is on deck, but I will hand the baton to Jaren. Hello, good afternoon. Or afternoon here, anyway. Yeah. Um, see, a, a, a thank you and uh, to uh, Carter, Foamy Guy, Anecdata, Katni, and probably others that I've forgotten who were involved in a, a rather marathon and um, challenging uh, team effort on Discord, working through a what was a very perplexing issue. It was, it was, it was interesting to to be part of, but uh, thanks to everybody who persisted. And uh, Jeff, thanks for getting SDAO working on the uh, STM32F405. 
Nice job. Yeah, you're welcome, of course. Um, Kmatch98 will be up next, but now we are going to Katni. Um, so my first talk report is to Foamy Guy for putting in a ton of effort into helping a user in the Help with Circuit Python channel with a difficult issue. This is the same issue that Jerry was referring to. Um, and subsequently, my next hug report is to Jerry and Carter for stepping in and helping the same user with what was apparently an impossible issue. So much patience and effort was put into this. Uh, we did figure it out. It was a corrupted MPY file, um, is our best guess, um, that was giving keyword argument errors. It was, it was really weird. Um, took like 24 hours of near constant help, um, and so thank you to everybody who is involved in that. Um, to Alvaro for continuing to translate new guides and for adding a guide page, a new page to a guide that we updated in English. Um, and finally, a uh, hug report to our community moderators on Discord for keeping up with the influx of spam and terribleness that's been happening. Remember that it only represents a small part of the community and we are creating an important, inclusive and welcoming place for the majority of the community. And that's what I have. Thank you, Katni. That is really important to emphasize. Um, so thank you very much for that. Maker Melissa is on deck, but it's Kmatch98. How are you? And unfortunately, I can't hear you. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read their notes. And then uh, if you want to try again when we get to status updates, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, so Kmatch98 writes, a hug report to Foamy Guy and Tanut for label fixes and both of your patience with me as I learn. Thanks for the positive attitude. Thanks Foamy Guy for an adaptive display identifier for built-in versus external display and the Clue Sparkline Accelerator demo. And hug report to Dan H for the learn guide on building CircuitPython. Uh, Mr. Certainly's notes are up soon, but now Maker Melissa. Hello. Hi. So, uh, I just wanted to give a hug report to Katni for helping confirm I was doing something right with regards to submitting a new library and uh, group hugged everyone. Ooh, new libraries. All right. Next, mm -hmm. I have notes from Mr. Certainly, and uh, looks like we've got a couple more lurking and text only. So Scott is the next person besides me who will be talking. Uh, so Mr. Certainly, who is text only, writes... Thanks to all the community moderators for their help with the recent uptick of Discord incidents. And thanks to all the community members who reach out to us reporting issues that need moderation. You all make this place awesome, and we appreciate your help. Uh, Summersoft, I see you're lurking. Hi, Summersoft. Stargirl is text only today. Uh, 1902 is the time code. Uh, Stargirl sends a group or a hug to community moderators. We've had a lot to deal with this week. And with that, it is time for Scott. Hello. Hi. First, uh, first hug reports, Warrior of Wire for pushing async forwards. It's really cool to see that uh, happening. Uh, thank you to, I think, Syscorn is what it is, not Sircorn. Uh, I must have typoed it. Uh, for improving type hints, uh, which has been really great. Uh, thank you to... <laughs> Right. Thank you, whoever we'll fixed that. It wasn't me. Did they just drop, or do we need to ban them? I don't know. Uh, Thank you, Kenny. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, 
I, I feel like I should skip ahead. Um, thank you to all of our Discord mods for keeping Discord, uh, well, reactive to stupid people. Um, that, yeah. Uh, so uh, I just wanted to emphasize also that uh, for moderators, uh, if you are getting burned out, please, please, please take a break. Um, and if you're worried about particular times, reach out to me and I'll make sure that I'm online to cover those times. Um, we are talking with Phil and Phil's gonna email somebody at Discord. So we're, we're working on it. We know it's a problem and we know that one option is getting out of the, the directory, but um, we think it's a bigger problem that Discord needs to work on. So we, we wanna have that conversation with them. Hi, motherfuckers. Um, Great. God damn it. Scar right, hold language. Hold Sorry. We're <laughs> uh, just getting too. invaded now. Jeez. Um, okay, I'll look at I'll look at locking down the channel in just a second. Um, let me finish. Hold on. Somebody else just joined. Okay, come back to me. I'm gonna lock this down. All right. Well, uh, with that, I will hand it to Zoltan V923Z, who I guess I missed saying you were on deck. So if you're not ready, that's on me. No, that's fine. Thanks, Hi. Jeff. So, uh, first of all, I have a group hug. Uh, I have been skipping a couple of meetings uh, in the past several weeks, but it's always great to be back. And second, I would like to thank you, Jeff, for, for helping me out with uh, uh, documentation issues and, and just being always a good sport. Thanks a lot. All right. Um, so heading up to the top of the alphabet, we have got a couple of people whose notes I will read. Uh, next up besides me is Dan. And I have uh, not been taking time codes. I'm in such trouble. So Anecdata, who is lurking, uh, has a hug report for Scott for the deep dives. It's very educational to get a peek behind the curtains and see how all the pieces of this big endeavor stack up and work together. Um, so Dan, we are ready for you. Okay, um, thank you, Jeff, and also Phil Schenk for fixing up um, some things that happened after we took out the stop equals keyword um, in I2C. Um, there were some libraries that depended on that and we fixed them and then someone who uses, uh, Phil Schenk uses 3.5, maybe on an old RPI, or I'm not sure, um, had an issue. There's a very strange syntax problem with trailing commas and argument lists in 3.5 and earlier. So that's all fixed up and that got into the bundle last night. So that's good. Uh, as Scott mentioned, thanks to Warrior Wire who, who's working on async and await and he's proposing some um, a simple event loop library that he already uses internally for a 3D printer and he'll, hopefully he can break that out and let us try it out. Also, um, he also looked at speeding up uh, our um, GitHub action builds, trying to run things on multiple cores. So that's still a work in progress right now. Uh, thanks to Dave Putz, who said, how come we always compile things minus OS instead of minus O2, which is a higher optimization level? There's room on some boards, uh, on some chips to do uh, more optimization, which results in larger code, but speedier code. And there's a note, it's a noticeable improvement, like maybe 20% or so on, in some cases. So thank you uh, to Dave for working on that. Uh, thanks to Scott for working on the changes that would be necessary when we move up to GCC 10. He's using um, Arch Linux, which has GCC 10 available already. 
And so there were some minor changes that need to be made for that. Thanks to Katnay, who I had a discussion with about um, fixing up some learn guide examples uh, involving using board.i2c instead of busio.i2c. So we made some changes in the library and I mean, in the learn, in a learn guide and also in some examples for a particular learn guide. And there's more to do in that regard also. And as everybody's already mentioned, thanks to the entire moderation te team for dealing with the uptick in uh, bad actors on Discord. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Dan. Uh, I wonder whether you might summarize the use of board.i2c down in In the Weeds because I've been interested in the answer to that and I missed out on the discussion. Um, Foamy Guy is up soon, but now I have notes for um, uh, David Gloud who uh, writes, thank you to Dan H for quick help on Pilot plus Black install and Katni for the learn guide. Scott, Maker Melissa, and Deshipu for enlightenment on what is and is not Blinka and portability between Pi and Feather when I wanted to use GamePad on the Pi. We have a number of lurkers. Um, we are going to put Hire Effect up on desk, up on deck. <laughs> uh, but now it's Foamy Guy. Hi, Foamy Guy. You have some background noise. Hello. Uh, sorry about that. I will try my best here. Um, for this week, I have a hug report for KMatch98 um, for creating the Sparkline module within the Display Shapes library um, and getting that fixed up, um, all the requested changes, so that I could get merged in this week. Uh, hug report for the folks uh, over at KittenBot. Um, I got a hold of one of their IOBit devices today. Uh, I think it was originally created for the micro bit, but it happens to be a really nice addition to the clue. Uh, gives ability to do lots of uh, fun stuff with that board. Um, as mentioned earlier to uh, Carter, Anecdata, Katni, and uh, Jerry, uh, and of course anyone else, uh, if I've forgotten some that helped out with the case of the mysterious uh, NeoPixel error that came up in the Discord. Um, to John Park uh, for his excellent guide on the Pi Portal countdown that uh, made it really easy to set up a Countdown for CircuitPython Day, uh, and then to uh, FlameEyes for uh, their work to add support to uh, an older, um, but a little bit cheaper, uh, IO expander um, circuit to one of the libraries. And then lastly, uh, group hug to uh, everybody. That's it for me this week. Thanks. Thank you. Um, Higher Effect, why don't you finish up hug reports for us? All right, well, first off, thanks to you, Jeff, for your uh, reviews this week and for all of your hard work on SDIO. Uh, I appreciate uh, you putting that um, PR in because uh, it's actually going to help out on a bunch of my personal projects, uh, being able to use that SD card at uh, a higher speed. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, just a thanks to Tanit for um, his reviews on uh, the new ESP32 stuff. And uh, that's it for me. Thank you. And with that, we will move on to status updates. If you were with us for Hug Reports, then you kind of know the lay of the land here. Um, we're going to go in a round-robin fashion, and I am going to start. Wait, can I, oh, can yeah. I finish? Or... Oh, I'm I can sorry. Just do it later, too. Yeah. Uh, sorry, we're going to circle back around to Scott, who uh, gets try number two at his Hug Reports. It does. It does actually look like uh, we may have successfully blocked more people dropping in, which is good. Um, so yeah, if you want to speak uh, and participate, Circuit Pythonistas, you'll you will have to do that for to be in this channel. 
um, which I just set up, and it looks like it's working, which is good. Uh, so thanks again to all of our mods. Uh, thank you to Katni uh, in particular for making a Community Helpers private channel. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we have a private channel for mods, and now we also have one for Community Helpers, just so those folks can coordinate privately. Um, if you want to be a community helper or a community moderator, please let it, uh, reach out to us and uh, we'll, we'll consider the help. Um, we certainly can need it at this point as well. <laughs> um, and if not, if you don't want to do that, always feel free to at community moderators and we'll hop on and take care of whatever the issue is. We appreciate that help as well. Um, in particular, IoT Panic and XX Coder have uh, been pinging us a number of times, which has been really helpful. So thanks to them. And then lastly, uh, a hug report to Sedacious for shutting down an unproductive GitHub issue conversation that was happening as well. Um, we do moderate GitHub as well, so be beware of that. And that's it for me. All right, thanks, Scott. Sorry I was uh, leaving you out in the cold. No, it's all good. I like almost forgot myself. <laughs> I'm glad we're dealing with it. Yeah, yeah, thanks for responding quickly, you and Katni and everybody else to this stuff because it's yeah. not it's not great. Uh, anyway, yep. so in status updates, we want to hear um, what you have been up to in the past week or so, what uh, you hope to get up to in the next week, and just whatever is bringing you a little joy in the world, because uh, sometimes that is a little bit lacking. So I will start this round, Robin, and Jerry will be up second, and we will just go around, and unless I miss somebody, and if I do, please speak up. We will uh, hear from everybody. And the document just moved. Uh, there we go. So uh, last week uh, I finished, or rather I worked on the uh, SD card guide mostly. We're doing a big update, uh, actually a new guide on the Learn system about SD cards. It's going to cover the uh, Adafruit SD card library for those boards that still need to use it. It's going to cover the new uh, SD card I.O. for SPI SD cards and the new SDIO I.O. for uh, SDIO SD cards. Uh, so this week my primary goal is to finish that SD card guide and then as time permits I'm going to start support on Sharp Memory Display which is a black and white uh, LCD display that apparently has some interesting properties and challenges for adding to CircuitPython. Uh, so I'm going to hand it to Jerry but Katni is up after that. Okay, thanks. Um, I spent a bunch of time um, testing the 6.0 Alpha 2. Um, that's a, you know my usual fun thing of just keeping up <laughs> and uh, putting on a bunch of different boards. And um, I got caught up by the there was a significant problem with I2C, I squared C, but that's now been resolved. And then nice to see that that working great. So, and then ran into a problem with the Pi stack um, being exhausted. Um, and it turns out, I guess that that is was a known issue. But um, so just for your information, I tried just doubling it, and that fixed it for me. So I don't know if if if, if you want a PR for that simple fix, or if that needs more discussion and thought, just let me know if if there was a trivial change to to just double the size of it. But um, at least that got that got my 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 system back up and running that I was trying to get going. I I uh, think we'll want to include making the default C stack size smaller as well. Okay. Because on the um, SAMD21, we'll, what we'll do, what will end up happening is we'll cut those kilobytes off the heap, which we probably don't want to do. 
Okay. Do you want me to look at that, or do you want to wait and you know let somebody else who's more involved in the court take care of that? Uh, if you want to look into it, that would be awesome. <laughs> okay. So just just bump one up by a K and the other one down by a K. Yeah, and I think th- I think that would be fine because um, basically PyStack allocates uh, function call structures for calling C or for calling Python functions. It used to be a mix of the C stack and if it was large on the heap. So by doing it on the pie stack, it's in the, like one particular location now. Okay, and I, I noticed it. I mean, it's something that's it's global. I mean, it's for all systems. It's it's not it's not by type or by board or anything like that. So, right. is there any is, is is that the way it'll stay? I wouldn't expect it to. <laughs> I would okay. expect it to evolve, but uh, this okay. is okay. just. Okay, but for now, uh, okay, I'll, I'll I'll take a shot at at, at least uh, seeing if you know if I can figure out how to how to reduce this. The regular, the other stack, and uh, and then I'll, I'll stick a PR, and then you can comment on that. And, and test it, test it with the CPX library because that's the thing that had ran out of stack, regular stack beforehand. Okay, I can do that. Thanks, Jerry. Yep. And thanks, Dan. That was just the issue that I wanted to uh, bring up. So, anyway, uh, I'll pass things over to Katni, and then up next is Kmatch ninety eight with a second try at the mic. Hello. Um, okay, sorry, I was expecting something to light up that didn't, so I was not sure that you could hear me. Oh, um, I do hear you. Excellent. Uh, so last week, helped with further translations of guides by Alvaro, logged the published PMSA 300i guide, which is um, uh, air quality sensor, but it's unusual in that it's I squared C, and it has... Um, stomach connectors on it, so it's super easy to get started with, and we already have a library and code for it. So that guide's been published, so if you bought one of those, um, you can get started pretty easily. Uh, created nine fritzing objects, um, updated the VL53L0X guide with the StemAQT version. Uh, we are stemifying a lot of things, and so the guides need to be updated. Um, while still including information for the original versions, um, because obviously a lot of people have the original versions of these boards. So the ones that we update, um, the guides have to be updated in a particular way. Uh, I updated the localization section on circuitpython.org. Um, it was a little unclear what exactly one would be localizing, um, just based on the context of contributing. Uh, circuitpython.org slash contributing was very much touted to be library related. Um, So I added some tweaks to the copy and moved some stuff around um, so that it's clearer that you are translating CircuitPython itself, not one of the libraries. Um, And I updated or uploaded board files for two new boards to GitHub. So um, I think one of them is in the shop already and one of them is on the way to the shop. This week, more fritzing objects. The 2.7 sharp memory, 2.7 inch sharp memory display, um, had an issue with Eagle that I'm waiting on a fix for. So uh, until that's fixed, I can't actually do that one. Um, and the Grand Central M4, which was recently added uh, as a to do. Um, update the product copy on the uploaded board file repos. Um, when we upload board files, we include product copy. And as those boards were not in the shop yet. I had no product copy to add, so I need to go back and do that. Um, We have a GitHub repo for the default files that ship on CircuitPython boards. Um, 
and the M0s have been updated to, I'm assuming, um, CircuitPython 5x. Um, so we have new default files for those, so I need to upload those. Um, and then also link the default files from the Metro M4 Express airlift into the guide and then reply to a forum post where the person was requesting them. I'm going to be updating the BME 680 guide with the Stemic UT version. Same set of updates as was done to the other one. Uh, I was waiting on images, but they only fabbed the board, I think, today. So the images will be available today, and then I can get to that. And then continuing the update on the Git and GitHub guide eventually. Um, there's just more priority stuff that's that's popped in. It's the thing that needs to be updated is the pull request page and it's going to be kind of involved because um it covered travis and how to deal with pilot errors and that sort of thing and we don't use travis anymore so a good half of that page is not just out of date it's irrelevant um and people need to know how to handle pilot errors using github actions and also um, how to deal with black so uh, I'm going to actually have to make a PR, which I will choose someone who gets to be my reviewer um, and basically tell you what to write because it'll be like a dumb error of some kind, um, simple one rather, and uh, need to be it needs to be reviewed um, because it covers the review process as well. So that's going to be a bit of work, and I need to make sure that I've got cycles from somebody else to help out. And other than that, I don't think anything else was added to my list that is not included, um, other than uh, the discussion about um, what we're doing in terms of helping out moderators on Discord and what we're going to be doing with regards to that. Um, Uh, Mark says, uh, Travis and Git actions were, was confusing as someone new. I was able to see and work around it, but as someone still new, if you want someone to test the updated instructions, let me know. I will definitely do that. Um, the page will be live as I'm editing it, which isn't great. Um, but you don't, you, we can't really delete guide pages because they're linked into other things. So you'll be able to see it as I go. Um, and that would be fantastic. So. I will definitely take you up on that. And that's what I got going on. All right. Thanks, Katni. Uh, so up soon is Maker Melissa, but now KMatch98. You want to take another try with your mic? Hey, Jeff. This is Kevin. Can you hear me now? Ah, yes. It's working great. Perfect. Okay, thanks. Okay. So uh, last week, I uh, worked on uh, implementing the Sparkline, which is basically a horizontal scrolling display. Uh, that got merged, but in the meantime, I sent Foamy guy on a wild goose chase, uh, but uh, resolved some errors in my code. Oh, so thanks, Foamy guy, for that. Uh, and I'll take it as a positive. He found some other bugs in the process, so I'll call that a success. Uh, other things uh, I, I forgot to mention here in the notes, but uh, working on how to document some of the additions that Foamy guy and I have made to label. So we're working on a strategy around that. And last was that I built CircuitPython. So that, that leads us into the next thing. So Oh, and that was thanks to Dan H. for the the guide on that uh, this week. So now that I can at least build CircuitPython, I'll try a, a, a beginning problem, which is fixing a bug in, in a group insert, which we ran across in the label fixes. So we'll see if I can, can resolve that one. 
And the last side note is I've got about 50 pounds of reclaimed stepper motors and trying to figure out ways to hook stuff to them. So I got two ways down and who knows how many more we can come up with to make something move. So that's it. All right. Thank you. Uh, next, we're going to go to Maker Melissa, and then I've got uh, some text-only people. So go ahead, Melissa. Okay, there. Found the mute button. Uh, let's see. This last week, I worked on the Matrix Portal Library um, and developed a couple examples on there. And that's really a library to kind of give some of the ease that uh, the PyPortal Library has to a... Uh, Metro Air, M4 Airlift Light and the RGB Matrix Shield and uh, RGB Matrix uh, combination. Uh, so you can do stuff off the internet easily. Um, I figured out how to detect if YouTube is live streaming um, for another example. And I updated the circuitpython.org website to add a uh, message to Chrome users warning about Chrome blocking UF2 files by default. Uh, this week, I'm going to work on finish. I'm going to work on finishing up various assigned GitHub issues and pull requests. Thank That's you. It. Uh, Scott is up soon, but now I have notes from Stargirl, who is text only, working on hardware designs for my next Eurorack module. She writes, uh, "Packing, packing, and getting rid of stuff. Movers come next Monday." Uh, all right, and with that, we will go to Scott. Hello. So last week, I had a number of pending PRs from the previous Friday that I got all merged in. And then I released 6.0 Alpha 2 on Thursday, which was uh, a good... I had lots of stuff in it, um, including the, the speed up from you, Jeff, and the uh, Pi stack switch. So please give that a, a try. Um, we're basically waiting for uh, the new micro lab before we do beta, um, but that's all good. And I will plan on uh, releasing, doing a new release this week as well, because it's clear that the Pi stack size is too small for large projects. So we'll we'll poke at that and uh, and and get that released pretty quick. Um, on Friday, I tested the hardware pinouts uh, with my adapter board for the ESP32 S2. So hopefully that'll, uh, later this week, I'll have a conversation with Lamar about getting some designs for Adafruit uh, S2 boards, which will be cool. And then my focus this week on the software side is adding the native Wi-Fi APIs uh, with the S2 implementation for that. Um, and then in my in my fun time, I've, I've been really curious about the uh, Orange Crab FPGA board because it's a feather format. And so I've been starting to look at uh, uh, system on a chip design uh, with, you know, hoping to make a system on chip that is circuit Python friendly and um, powerful. So that'll be really interesting. And I found this uh, book from Joseph Hughes, who's kind of like a prolific ARM writer. Um, he works at ARM and works on Cortex-M. So he has all the like reference books for the different Cortex-M cores. Uh, and there is an interesting book I found on arm.com that is all about system on a chip design with Cortex M, which uh, I would, I haven't, I just started reading it, but I, I'm imagining it's going to be very, very helpful uh, for a lot of the work we do in CircuitPython because so many of the chips that we support are system on chips for uh, Cortex M boards. So 
I'm really very excited about that. I think it covers like different memory buses and things. So uh, there's a link there, and I think somebody's going to copy it over. Uh, it looks really interesting, and I think people should take a look. It's the it's just a PDF that's freely available, um, and I did the like Kindle PDF to Kindle thing. So uh, it looks pretty neat. Um, so I'd recommend anybody who's interested in uh, chip design to take a look at that. Sounds cool. Uh, V923Z is next, and then we wrap around to Dan at the top of the alphabet. Okay, thanks, Jeff. So uh, last week I, I added three functions to Microlab. Uh, actually, all three of them were suggested by a GitHub user named uh, Roberto Colesteta. Uh, one of them was um, implemented by him too. Uh, first, I wasn't... Um, quite enthusiastic about the, these, these suggestions because um, I, I thought that they wouldn't bring in new functionality. So uh, all these could could be done uh, with the old version of, of Microlab. But then I whipped up an implementation anyway, and then he came back with some benchmarks which were really convincing. So then, then we decided to to, to let it run and, and include these, uh, these three functions, the norm and uh, the trapezoid rule uh, for numerical integration and range. Um, I would also like to mention here that uh, he's very keen on um, uh, bringing um, Microlab to uh, ESP8266. Um, I know that uh, Adafruit has dropped uh, support for that for a reason, but if you need it, um, then, then you could head over to his, his GitHub or the GitLab page, actually. He has um, some 20, 20-odd 20 uh, 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 firmware for, for some 20-odd uh, variants of um, ESP8266, PyBoard, and whatnot. Uh, I, I, I have lost count, sorry. <laughs> um, then I took, took a stab at integrating the documentation um, uh, into the source code uh, itself, as we as we discussed it a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, um, since this is a, a, a copy and paste process, um, I, I couldn't couldn't give uh, proper credit to those people who should be credited. Um, I, I still included the names in the headers. Um, I think this would be Scott, uh, Flamey, and um, and Jeff. But if I've forgotten or or missed anyone, please let me know, and I would be happy to to rectify the issue. Um, this week, I, I I will try to solve um, this this mysterious issue um, that I indicated last week um, um, with the with the documentation, and. Once it's done, I, I would like to to start work in earnest uh, in on on the um, n-dimensional array um, stuff in in Microlab. So that's uh, that's probably going to be a, a longer term uh, goal, but um, I, I'm I'm planning on starting on the work uh, this week. Thanks. That all sounds very cool. And by the way, the status of this uh, pull request with the documentation changes in it and the uh, incompatible change of the extras module uh, is that it had been stuck in uh, GitHub CI. And uh, just before the meeting, I tried to bring that uh, forward and get it unstuck by merging main in. So we should check soon on what the status of whether that builds uh, is. Anyway, we are headed back up to the top 
for Dan, and then I will have some notes, and then we will go to Foamy Guy. Okay. Hi. So Hi. I'm continuing my um, work on HCI-based BLEIO. Uh, this is just a very long project with several thousand lines of code. And um, I'm sort of converting over another part of the Arduino BLE library, which is the attribute protocol implementation. And so I've got that compiled. I had to convert from C++ to C and make some other changes because I'm using a different set of include files than they are using when that's more comprehensive. And so now I'm actually working on trying to um, like do respond to discovery requests, uh, BLE discovery requests, and then uh, read and write um, uh, characteristics. So at some point, some, most of this will be working and we'll be able to do something like Blue Fruit, but it's still a while yet, probably at least a week or two. Okay, the next thing we're working on, there's a new product that's coming out. It's in the top secret videos if you see it. And there's, I did a board definition for a little more yesterday. It's pretty straightforward. There were a lot of reviews and issues to follow up on over the past weekend. I did a lot of that over the weekend uh, to try to take a break from BLE. And finally, um, someone has been, there are various versions of, the, of NeoPixels and there's one called the WS2813, which has an extra wire for it so that if if a new pixel in a strip goes bad it it gets it gets jumped over so if you had a lot of these and say an installation somewhere then you wouldn't have to fix the whole strip or manually put jumpers in but it has its timings are a little bit different and somebody complained that it wasn't working with our neopixel library in circuit python or the, the base neopixel installation uh, uh, implementation in circuit python so i didn't try to fix this yet, but I took some data with a salier about uh, what the waveformers are actually looking like and how they work different, how they look different in Arduino versus CircuitPython, because it does seem to work in Arduino, but not in CircuitPython. So uh, eventually I'll try to fix this and touch up the timing slightly, but that's a low priority project. All right. All right. Well, Guy is up soon, but now I have notes from David Cloud who is lurking. Uh, he says, upgrading many of my boards to 600 Alpha 2 and the latest library. Still some work on air quality sensor, resolving a disagreement between Pylant and Black. And convinced the maker of Commander to add Gamepad to his board. Pull request accepted by Dan H. And now I want Count.io. Uh, we've got a number of lurkers. Hierofact is on deck, and now it is time for Foamy Guy. All right, uh, so last week I cleaned up uh, and documented and published a productivity timer that I made with Circuit Playground. Uh, I made it a while back, but I just got around to actually posting it. Um, I tested out a couple PRs for shapes and display text. Um, I actually implemented uh, an update to the progress bar library to use uh, Vector.io, um, but then uh, it was pointed out uh, correctly that that is not supported on five uh, version five devices, 5.x. So um, I ended up closing that off. I think it's probably makes sense to keep those uh, separate for now. So 
uh, coming up next week, I will work on separating that out into its own library uh, if people do want to use the vector progress bar. Um, I got a couple of uh, orders in uh, last week. One of them came with a Kittenbot IO bit. Um, and so I spent some time playing with that uh, with the clue, connecting I2C devices and five volt NeoPixels um, and some other stuff that is ordinarily not quite so easy to do uh, with the clue. So I think um, that thing's really cool. Definitely looking forward to playing around with that some more. Um, I whipped up a quick countdown for the uh, CircuitPython day uh, for the Pi Portal last week. Um, I 3D printed a, a, a neon NeoPixel strip holder. Uh, Jeff, I think you may have made one of these a while back that was a spiral, uh, mm -hmm. or whoever made that. That was my inspiration for this, um, and it turned out actually pretty cool. Um, so I got some videos of that in the show and tell room if anyone's interested. Um, and then uh, lastly, uh, for last week, I set up the circuit uh, in order to test a PR for adding a new, uh, or actually in this case, a older um, IO expander IC. So the library was supporting a new version of this chip. Uh, the older one has lots of the same functionality, but is a little bit more difficult to set up and use. Um, but a user came by, added support for it. So I got that circuit set up to test it. Um, for next week, uh, for the next few weeks, actually, I'll be uh, teaching JavaScript classes at night. Um, so I won't be around as much in the evenings uh, in the help uh, with chat room. Um, I do uh, have a couple things that I want to take care of next week, though, in the CircuitPython world, which is going to be uh, working with Kmatch uh, 98 some more on the documentation for display text. And then I would also like to spend some more time playing with um, display.io shape, um, which I should mention also a belated hug report to Scott for uh, getting me up to speed on how to use the display IO shape. Um, so I want to play with that some more for this next week. Um, but that's all I got for now. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Uh, Higher Effect, we're going to go to you next. And uh, if I missed anybody, please just drop me a note in the text chat and I will get back to you. All righty. Um, so this past week, I worked on wrapping up my PWM out PR on the ESP32 S2. Uh, just involved uh, fixing up some little nitpicks and bugs and stuff uh, with duty cycles. Um, and I, I also wrapped up the timer PR for STM32. So now uh, that allows uh, Pulse IO across all of the F4 devices. So even on kind of low end cheap boards like the F401 and the F411, uh, now are able to run um, uh, remote control pulse in, pulse out uh, type stuff. Uh, and it'll also make it a lot easier for us to do things like have um, uh, rotary IO and, and uh, RGB matrix. You can theoretically do RGB matrix and a um, pulse in pulse out controller if you wanted to do such a thing, uh, which you were not able to do before. Um, I uh, reviewed and tested uh, Jeff's SDIO PR. Um, so just going over kind of the, the code style, we had some uh, good discussions about that. Um, and I started reading into the documentation on the ESP32 uh, S2 uh, R RMT, the, the remote control peripheral, which is actually a dedicated uh, remote control pulse modulation uh, out end in peripheral, which is handy. Um, we don't have to do any crazy timer tricks. I'm just going to actually just implement the peripheral. So that's neat. Um, and uh, so that's what I'll be working on this week. Uh, I'll, this week, I will also be checking out, uh, I'm going to see how much work I end up doing on the uh, STM32F1, where I'm hoping to just mostly guide development of that. Um, 
but uh, I asked uh, sent Scott a ping about um, whether it would be appropriate for me to take on the Flash module for that. Um, I'll be investigating some other bugs that have popped up, including SPI, some kind of SPI issue on the STM32, and probably just doing kind of a general bugs uh, roundup for uh, when I'm done with uh, Pulse.io on the SP32S2, because I think there's been a little bit of a buildup in my backlog of bugs, so uh, I'll be checking that out. And uh, that's it for me. All right. Well, with that, we are done with status updates, and we are going to move on to our last section, which is in the weeds. And just a reminder, um, you know, if you have something else that, for instance, time boxes you at an hour, um, come back later and listen to the discussion after the fact. You don't have to stick around. Um, but anyway, in the weeds is the time where we do a more in-depth discussion of uh, whatever items are important to the community. And we just take them one by one, and I will hand it off to the person who has suggested the topic. They will tell you what's up, and we will uh, do them until we are done. So with that, I will pass things on to Jerry. Yeah, and I'll probably just uh, pass it off to, uh, back to Katni, um, because it looks like it's been, been discussed. But uh, what I wanted to bring up was this whole issue on Discord of the uh, moderation challenges that have been occurring and just learn a little more about what this server discovery thing is and why we want it or don't and do we really and what, you know, what what's going on here. So I don't know who, who wants to take that. <laughs> um, so in general, server discovery is just another way for people to find our server. And we don't have... We don't necessarily have metrics that I'm aware of um, on how many legitimate folks are finding the server this way. But based on the number of bans versus the number of users increase over time, um, there's plenty of new people who are finding it this way. So there is a benefit to server discovery. However, with it has come a lot of spam and not just annoying spam, but vulgar spam. So we, as moderators, um, have been putting a lot of effort into dealing with this to try and keep this server a positive and welcoming place. That said, um, we talked about it with Phil. And Phil does see the benefit to server discovery. Um, however, there's... And also understands that the final destination for this whole plan may be removal from server discovery. So that is on the table. Um, however, there's this is probably a bigger issue, um, like a Discord level issue, and, and Discord should be addressing it. And so the first part of the plan is actually for us to outline our situation and... Um, email that to Phil and then Phil's actually going to pass that on um, to his contact at Discord. They Adafruit is part of a um, server for uh, sort of discussing Discord, but it's not very well used at the moment apparently. Um, so he is going to pass that on and also find out if there's a better place for discussion um, of this sort of thing. So what we want to do is try and put it in Discord's hands um, in the interim 
and try to get them to address what we feel is an issue that is that is probably plaguing other servers as well, other communities. And if they can address it on a larger scale, um, that would be the ideal situation. If that goes nowhere, then we are definitely going to consider removal from server discovery. So, Thank you. yeah. So we, the, the point is we, we hear what our moderators are saying. Um, we hear that it's stressful that you're, you're burning out. Um, and that's a very serious thing. We take it very seriously. Um, which is why we keep saying like, if you are getting burned out, you know, please take a break, let us know. Um, if you are, uh, if you are, um, if, if you feel like you're covering a particular time, we'll figure something out um, to cover for you. So if, if you happen to be the only one around at 4 a.m. every day, um, you know, let us know and we'll figure something out. Um, but we want to, we want to try and put it in Discord's hands and see whether they are willing to to enact some kind of thing before it even hits our server um and yeah we we enabled that's what dan's saying we enabled a 10 minute waiting period for posting before joining but it turns out that any account that has um a verified phone number can actually get around that um it's it definitely helped the 10 minute thing um, but it's not foolproof, and obviously, you know, if it's if it's an actual person and not just a bot, they can very easily figure out that they just need to wait ten minutes, and you run into the same problems. So, we we're trying to figure out other things that we can implement um, to try and do something about it in the meantime. Um, but it's definitely on our radar. Um, that email is going to get sent to Phil with the outline of where we're at. Um, and he's going to contact Discord. Um, but we are definitely taking this very seriously. So oh, good. Because, you know, it, it certainly evolves in the last, you know, recently, too, that, you know, and I think we've gotten better at handling it and, and making and minimizing the amount of of. of stress and work on, on, on the moderators because we're simplifying the process, which may yeah. result in a little less documentation of the bands. But I think it's just, you know, it's, there's just so much that, you know, if we can just do what we've been doing lately, um, that, that works. I've been surprised at some of the things that have gotten through. Um, so luckily most of it doesn't get through. Um, but, um, you know, there those, was those that do, sometimes are pretty disturbing. There was a word, the N word got through yesterday and I looked it up and it's, it was because they used a like weird Unicode I yeah. in it. And I've now added it to the list so that at least that trick won't work. But, um, okay. But people you find know, the, one I had yesterday, it, the one I had yesterday that really bothered me, I guess I realized now it probably never, never got seen by the public. It was just, it, it was only something we had to, we had to look at. So uh, maybe yeah. that's not so bad. <laughs> and that, well, that's, that's also why, like, if you're like, I'm getting burned out, obviously, with my reaction earlier, like, it is important to take breaks from it. Sure. Um, and we also need to be aggressive in both banning people and locking stuff down so that that people just don't have access. Like, 
locking this channel down so only CircuitPythonistas can speak has already made our lives better. Uh, right. And that's that's what I mean by the fact that we we learn and adapt. Yeah. Um, but we... that's, that's also a lesson in how quickly things shift. I mean, we had no problem in this meeting. We maybe had a person accidentally coming in, but then we had two people right. in quick succession who targeted this voice meeting. Yep. And there's yeah. two people in here right now, I suspect, would have done the same thing. Um, but we, you know, we adapted. It's just, yep. it's the stress. It's the stress that's occurring before we manage to adapt because it does shift yeah. so quickly. And don't, don't minimize that. Don't minimize your feelings just right. because you, you think that, you know, it's just because the rest of the server isn't seeing it. Don't minimize the fact that it's affecting you. Yep. We we need to know that and hear that, and we want to do something about it. I remember how agonizing it was the first time I banned someone, and, and <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to. You know, now it's now it's sort of like, oh, here's another one. Click. And, yeah, and, well, those and, are the easy I ones. I don't like that feeling. <laughs> it shouldn't be that easy. No, I think I think it's fine. Like for the span yeah, that no, we're it, getting, it, like it's obvious, right? Like. Right. No, it, it's. Uh, they've not been hard decisions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, there have been experiences where it's a very tough call as to what do we do with this person who has been a thorn in our side, but also a community member, both. And right. most of these bands are not that. They are people who have come to be bad actors, and we just need right. to show them the door. Yeah, the other thing we can do is, like, the Python Discord server is actually larger than us and the home assistant one as well. So I'm sure that they like, I know that Python has this verification process where I think you have to like do a react, a particular reaction to some message to that the bot is basically monitoring and then grants you access to everything. Um, so that's one way that we can kind of like do some more like human proofing. Yeah, um, Jen suggested a CAPTCHA as well. Um, which I think is kind of exactly what that is. Yeah, um, something along those lines. Uh, yeah. So we have more steps we can do in the meantime, yeah. and we do intend to look into them and do them. Um, yeah. But we really want to. Um, we really want to 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 get this to a point where it's not like it is now and yeah. wh whatever that takes. So the first thing we need to do is get a hold of Discord and say, you know, you are creating a situation where this is really rough for us. Like, what are you going to do about it? Server discovery is important to you, but we will not be in it if this continues. Yeah, and that is exactly what will happen if if there's no response on their and part. It, you know, it's one thing if it's if it's bugging the moderators, but you know, when it starts, and it, I think it is beginning to impact the users, you know, quality of, of, of experience. And that that's, that's, that's really, the, I think, the, the, the line that we need to watch carefully. I mean, that's equally important. It's, <laughs> you know, it, it's important that we're creating a welcoming and inclusive and, um, you know, positive community. And some of this fam is definitely negating that. Um, right. And some and the stuff is getting through, like, that's the thing, if it just gets deleted immediately, you know, somebody might have seen it, but they probably didn't. But a lot of it's not getting deleted immediately because of weird stuff, right. um, you know, like the Unicode character or, or whatever. And that does affect our community. But um, how it's affecting the moderators is just as important. You you guys are a part of our community as well. And right. making sure that we're in a position where we're not 
spending all our time moderating Discord is important for everybody. I mean, as as hard as it is when we have somebody on the line, I'd much rather like save our moderation stamina for those folks than yeah. exhaust it dealing with just garbage. Right. Um, so, so, so we'll I look think, into in the next few days other yeah. things we can enable and other things we can include in the process. Um, I know for a long time we we avoided this stuff because we wanted to make access easy. Um, I think people are, are going to be able to figure out how to follow through with, um, you know, with, with uh, any kind of capture or whatever, it, it's fine. I mean, the 10 minute thing we, we've enabled and, you know, we originally didn't want to do that because we thought, oh, people join and they want to immediately ask a question and ask an engineer or something. Well, it, you know, it is what it is. We've, we've done what we need to do. Um, and we will continue to do so, even though it will, you know, make an extra step for someone who's joining the, joining the community. It means that the, you know, bots are less likely to join and that makes it a much better community. Yeah. There's a couple of comments here. One is, how about banning Unicode? And I think um, Stargirl had a comment in the mods channel about doing like Unicode normalization, which would be one way for us to like, I mean, it's a lot of work to write a bot and run a bot. So, yeah. but like, that's something that maybe we can engage with Dino about of doing normalization so that something that falls back to rendering as an eye would get caught by a banned word list that includes an eye, for example. Um, so I don't think banning Unicode is the right way to go because like we want international folks, but um, we should at least make it a, like make the banned word list more, uh, aware of that yeah and, uh, and some other people have had suggestions about can you do this or that and i think you know what would be helpful is maybe um i know of a discord bot that does this uh, because there are some things you can do and some things you can't do and kind of your intuitions about what should be possible don't always seem to line up with what tools we have available right now right Yep. Um, and the, the other side of this is that um, we would love to consider more people for moderation. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of permissions and things that you are granted as a moderator. And so uh, bear in mind that we will discuss it amongst the moderators and make a decision um, and that it's not a reflection on you if we opt not to include you. It's just, you know, we we need to make sure that the group that we're creating is um, fits with, with what we're looking for and we'll be clear about what those things are. Um, but I just let us know. Um, you can ping me directly in DM or you can just message community moderators. Um, and we would love to consider adding some more people that would definitely help a little bit with the burnout. Um, but we also don't want new people to get burned out. So we still need to look into all these other options as well. And higher effect, that's true. Um, like, and that's part of the problem is that the people that aren't bots are smart enough to get around whatever captures and all this other stuff that we put in. So there's still gonna be people that will get through because they are people. We're never gonna have no moderation load. But ideally, we can get closer to where we were before server discovery. Totally. 
that's and Alvaro, that's, Alvaro did ask whether we could pause discovery and we can I believe yeah but it's but, something we'd rather not do because we do want the folks that are discovering Adafruit for the first time yeah and I mean I've seen some new people show up and ask you know what is circuit python and typically somebody asks that question and it's immediately followed by some kind of garbage and that time it was not so somebody new showed up and wanted to learn you know uh -huh. and so we want to make sure that those people are um we want to make sure that those people are are you know able to find us and able to get through and but we also need to make sure that the community that they're joining is the positive welcoming community that we look for so okay i think we're good on this um i want to yeah i want to like yeah we're on it um i want to let everybody else get their uh in the weeds topics in so if you have any questions um feel free to ask us you can ping one of us directly um or uh let any of the moderators know and we can discuss things and get back to you and that kind of thing um we're always available or somebody is somebody is well that's heavy stuff so thank you everybody yep uh and now i will hand it over to zoltan uh, thanks, Jeff. So I, I, I just wanted to to ask uh, what the status of this um, um, uh, micro lab documentation is. Um, uh, I mean, I basically uh, factored out everything in a way that um, that matches um, or conforms to 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 your vision on. Um, how the documentation should be generated. Uh, the, the problem is that, um, uh, at least it seems to me that there's there's a glitch on on the Adafruit side, um, and um, I, I just don't know what um, what I should do, uh, if anything, um, or in general how we how we should move forward. Because I, I think I'm I'm really convinced now that this is a this is the right step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, that we that we have one one source of documentation, and um, and then that that would make your life, I hope, infinitely easier. Because then you wouldn't really have to do anything. You you just pull the code from from my side, and then um, there you go. Mm -hmm. But um, if um, if that doesn't work, then, uh, then then we have to come up with some some other solution. And um, I, I just wanted to to ask what 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 your suggestions are. Um, so I think the, the the main problem now is that um, uh, we split up microlab into submodules, and now we have too many uh, levels in the hierarchy. So um, microlab is a as a module of of uh, Circuit Python. But microlab itself has submodules, and these submodules are not processed properly, um, and that's why the the documentation is a bit broken. So, um, and and obviously, I I definitely agree with Scott's uh, sentiments that um, the the circuit Python experience is is very important, but um, I, I think the documentation is part of that, mm -hmm. and I, I I do believe that you agree. Mm -hmm. um, so. I would would love to to fix this. Um, the question is, if if anything is missing on my part, or or um, 
if, if there's anything I could do to to uh, rectify this. this uh, I mean, it looks like it looks like it's just a bug with Auto API. Is kind of my perception of it, but I, I don't know if it's bug or or um, if if the the make file is. Uh, um, well, it's not able to handle this situation. So I, I actually tried to look into to other Python uh, uh, libraries that that would have similar issues, mm -hmm. uh, most notably um, NumPy. But unfortunately, they, they generate their documentation in a different way. So mm -hmm. uh, that was no use. Um, so if you, if you want to, to get rid of the... Um, auto API uh, uh, segment, then I could do that. Uh, we just have to write up, uh, uh, basically, it, it, uh, I think the problem is that the, when, when you generate the, um, the, the introduction or the, the highest level in the hier hierarchy for, mm -hmm. for uh, MicroLab, then um, that's, that's one too many. Uh, uh, level. So, uh, what we could do is that we we, we generate the um, the documentation automatically for the for the lower levels, and we just have to write this um, one or two page uh, summary um, uh, for for the for the top level. I'm okay with that. I, I just want to know what what your uh, uh, ideas or, or suggestions are, and I'm, I'm totally fine with that, whatever it is. So um, just fire away. <laughs> so I think that one of the things we discovered was already in the documentation of Microlab, there is this problem. Uh, in If you look in the 6.0 latest documentation, we found that these uh, entries that we expected to be in the table of contents already aren't there. So right. the fact that so, that there are some of them that appear or some of them that disappear with this pull request means we're just slightly differently experiencing the same underlying problem we already are. And so mm -hmm. I think that is not going to mean that we shouldn't merge this change from you to do the documentation in the way we do all of the other documentation. Um, I've looked into the generated files. There are a bunch of steps. The C file is turned into a PYI file of which the content looks right. The PYI file is turned into an RST file of which right. the content looks right. And then Sphinx uh, generates these tables of contents according to directives. And that right. table of contents is wrong. So one option is to change the directive for that table of contents and tell it not to go down that additional level then it wouldn't show any of the things at that one level down. Uh, the other is to treat it as a Sphinx bug and like kind of pursue it with them. But either way, I think what you are doing is great and we want to take it and we're not experiencing any new bugs as a result of it. We're just experiencing bugs that were afflicting CircuitPython already that we need in some time frame to address. So I wouldn't ask you to change what you've done and I am really happy okay. about the work you've done. Okay, fine. Um... The the second uh, question uh, it's it's very general and and, and uh, actually it's probably not my place to to um, or, or I'm not in the position to to ask this question. So when I try to to debug this uh, this issue, um, well, I had to generate the documentation for for each modification that I, I implemented, and um, 
it seems to me that the documentation is not generated in an incremental uh, way. So uh, everything is generated in one step. And even if you uh, uh, change a single file, then everything will be regenerated again. And that's, that's actually a, a costly process. So I, I, I think uh, on my computer, I needed something like one and a half, two minutes for, for the whole process to complete. Perhaps, perhaps a bit, bit uh, shorter, but not significantly. So, um, so Sphinx can do partial builds. Okay. Um, just look at the flags that you're giving Sphinx build. I think it's like E. Um, um, that erases. I took your make file, so um, yeah, yeah. probably the, the problem. Build, the build system is designed to make sure that it regenerates everything because that is okay. going to be the most consistent. My experience with some of these systems has been there are faster modes and they are going to be less right, and so kind of okay. for your final build or your standard build, you're going to want to regenerate everything. Right. Okay. Uh, but yeah, definitely check on this flag and see if it speeds things up. So the minus A flag might be there, and that says all. And if that, that's, okay. we might remove that. But the disadvantage that I've no, I have found is that when I didn't give that locally when doing some much smaller documentation project, that it it said that the build was okay, and then when I pushed the release and it would rebuild from scratch, it turned out there was a bug. So okay. When you're satisfied, then run a minus A to make sure that everything is really okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, sounds good. Well, I, I think I'm I'm satisfied with the with the um, responses, so I would just like to hand it over to to Dan. Then, thanks. Great, thank you. Okay, so uh, Jeff, you you asked me about board dot i two c versus bus i o dot i two c. And I yeah. wrote something up, but I didn't know whether this is what you, uh, yeah, what, that what is, you wanted to know. That is what not. I wanted to know. I, I mean, I assume it's the same about Spy. Um, uh, yes, but we didn't bother to make this change for Spy. Okay. In, well, in I mean, they're, 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 the people generally don't have this issue with spy, it seems just because there are a lot more I2C examples. Mm -hmm. And so the support that I've had to give is almost exclusively about I used board.i2c and then I used busio.i2c and then it says pin in use and I don't understand this. And this this comes up every couple of weeks basically. So one of the users pointed out that what was in one of the older guides was out of date. And so Katni and I worked on figuring out how to fix that, and we, we did uh, fix it partly. Um, one thing that I thought of when I was writing this up was, well, maybe we should make um, busio.i2c uh, actually use the singleton if it was already created. And I don't know if that's a good idea or a bad idea, but it, it would sort of solve the problem. Uh, it, it would still make their code a little bit like not perfect, but um, it could notice that, oh yes, this the, the pins you're using are the same as this. And just use the signal tin instead of just saying like, no, sorry, you're trying to create a new bus on old pins. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm not sure I, I would recommend that, but. See, Dan? Yeah. On, on one, and I can't remember, I think it was the Pi Portal. But I kept finding that when I went to do the examples, 
that if I start up the board and then tried to use the um, bus IO version, if the display was up and running, I would get the, the in use error. Yeah. Um, and then I had to change all my, all the examples to use the, in other words, I, I didn't touch anything on the, you know, I, I didn't, hadn't done anything with I squared C, but it would give me that error unless I use the board.i2c. Yes, that's the problem. problem. Yes, yes. Right. And there's, and there's a case where, for instance, the CPX library creates, uh, or not the CPX library, but some other libraries, they created right. a, a board.i2c object. And then it okay. broke some existing code. Yeah, exactly. So, right. So, someplace where you have to use board.i2c. <laughs> right. So, either we have to explain that, or we could actually just. Right. Busio.i2c does the right thing. But is um, there any reason? I guess the only reason for using busio would be if you want to change the pins, right? That's right. Right. So. I don't know if anybody has any opinions. Scott, do you have an opinion about making busio.i2c use the singleton if it can? Uh, I'm not a huge fan of that idea, but I wouldn't okay. like it. All right. I, the reason I'm not a huge fan is because I, I can picture somebody making code that looks wrong and it would work, right? Like, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. A pi that has busio.i squared c twice. Like, I'm not sure that's great to not error out. Uh, with um, because this is the only case where that would work. Right. Like if, if I did that twice with unique pins that were not designated as I squared C, then it would error. And I think that's unexpected. Yeah, that's right. That's inconsistent. Well, actually, we could do something very simple. We could just make bus I, we could make, if bus IO that I to C uses the pins that would be for this, it could print a better error message. Yeah. That's probably the easiest fix. Maybe that's a good idea. Okay. Yep. All right. I'll put that down. All right. That's a great way to solve it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do All right. All right. I think we figured it out. Okay. All right. And then another minor thing, which just, it's a related issue is that these things all um, don't, um, they don't allow you to provide parameters like the frequency or the baud rate all these default objects. And in, in the case of, are, I think, are there any that you can't change the, the I think SPI, you can't change the rate afterwards? Something you I can't. Can. I squared C, you cannot. It's I squared okay. C where you can't. Yeah. You cannot. Well, maybe you can. I, I remember being in a discussion about this and someone said, well, you can't change it on I squared C because all the devices on the bus have to agree on the speed. Right, you can't change it willy-nilly, right? Mm -hmm. But you might, someone might want to use the board that I2C with a set of devices that could use it, that need a different frequency, and there's, then they have to kind of know what to do. So it's kind of an edge case. So it's not, probably not worth fixing right now. Well, so, that, it remind me, re, sorry, remind me, yeah. does the peer, I think, because the default board speed for I squared C is 400, right? That's right. Have a lot of device. I mean, if I recall correctly, like the DRV two six zero five, which is like a little a little haptic motor driver, um, has a max speed of a hundred, and that's a pretty common board. So, so maybe okay. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should think about adding a speed argument to the singleton creator. In fact, maybe there might even be an issue for. I don't. I th I think you're asking for trouble then, because 
the whole thing with the singleton is you can have multiple calls to it in different places and not know about it. And so if you have a library that calls the singleton creator and you're importing it before you do your call that gives a, a speed, like, what do you do then? Like, I just, I don't think it's meant yeah. for that. Like, you really okay. have to use bus.io if you want to be deliberate about what you're doing. All right. So we'll just, I think just in a better, a better message in the, in the, in the in the exception that's raised i, I will i will propose that and i'll work on that yeah it okay. also causes problems with blinka because like in with the raspberry pi you have to actually set it in configuration you can't just pass a speed in so easily ah uh, okay all right yeah so, to like right. have the kernel set it yeah can i ask a question please yeah go yeah. ahead charles what happens if you have want to have two different buses, two different I squared C buses with two different speeds. I I, I was wondering about that. On yeah. on Raspberry Pi or what? No, on uh, on uh, on uh, yeah, on the Raspberry Pi. Well, on the Raspberry Pi you have to do it when you do the device overlay stuff. Correct me if I'm wrong, Melissa. I think you're correct. I think no, you that's correct. It's the device overlay, and that's where you set, would change the speed. Right. And yeah. I don't know if you can do two different speeds or not. Yeah. That was. I was just curious because I have a group of things that are at one speed, and I have a group of things that are capable of running at higher speeds. And I was figuring maybe you could divide the the buses we just pick different pins so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah basically pick different pins right yeah, you can do yeah. that on regular microcontrollers but we're not it depends on the single board computers it depends i can't Where remember off the top of my head if you can set it on a per bus basis though. yeah yeah oh well, okay that was just uh, the only curious question i had about it what you because so, it dan yeah is there a problem then with I think again maybe it was the Pi Portal or maybe it was the CPA you know where where the bus where you can't use bus IO um, after the display is initialized? That sounds like a bug to me. No, like if the, if you've got a spy display, then you couldn't create uh, bus IO dot spy using so those pins. No, this is I, I squared C, and it was something that. It, Again, I, maybe I need to go find the issue, find demonstrate it. But if you just brought up the board in a sort of normal fashion, then tried to run some example of use I squared C, it would object. It would say pin in use if you try to use the what's um, um, It sounds like a bug, except if you're importing the like Pi Portal library, then it might be doing something you just didn't know it was doing. Right. Okay. So that may be the case. Uh, so if it happens without the library, it's a bug. But, but yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll uh, if I can if I can tap it. I'll I'll report it. I'll open the chat. Yeah. I think mostly it's the confusion from the libraries doing some sort of initialization for something you don't you aren't even using that you didn't know it was doing. Right. But is there a way around that? So. It's a, Pi Portal library is initializing I, I squared C. What do you do? How do you, you then? The library it? should make the I squared C available on the library object itself. 
you or... should be able to do like pi squared c and get the bus back. Uh, or else okay. its constructor should be able to take an alternate object and if not construct its idea of what the default one is. Or it should be using board dot something. Where you can just call it a board using board.itc works, but okay. That's my guess then, is my guess is that it's using board.i squared c internally. Right. Um, for like one of the sensors on the board. Okay, that makes sense. And then, then the expectation is that you just use board.i squared c oh. as well. And then you're, you're kind of stuck then anyway, because you can't really get too fancy because it's already been committed and set up. So, all right. Yep, that's the, the downside of using an all-in-one <laughs> library. That gets interesting when you try to use an external. Uh, I I've run, I I now recognize why why I get the weird sometimes get a weird response when uh, I try to use an external sensor on the uh, uh, Circuit Playground Express. Yep, that might be that would account for, that would at least account for why I can't make certain yep. things work. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and I think, uh, like Dan's talking about, adding a specific error message for that case would be very helpful, right? Like, if it's just saying, like, hey, it looks like you just want board I squared C. Yeah. Like, I think that'll make these cases a lot clearer than the vague pin in use response. Yeah, 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 that's what I think. I think that'll just, that'll, at least it'll get people one step further. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. All right, all right, so I'm done. All right, thanks, Dan. Uh, that went longer than I expected, uh, but we've still got higher Welcome effects, to the weeds, so. <laughs> Jeff. Welcome to the weeds. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't really have anything in particular. I, I, I just wanted to mention for all this, when we were talking all these board peripherals, that we were thinking about starting the, the SDIO, board.sdio. Um, but I, I don't think it, it actually is really all that relevant to this particular discussion. I thought that there might be some kind of concern about, you know, the initialization of that compared to these other things, but it's not a big deal. Oh, I think we can talk about it for a second because, um, of course, Scott's here and I value his opinion. So basically, we've got um, these at least two boards that have an SDIO bus, three boards mm -hmm. if you count the uh, SAMI 54. And should we go ahead and add to board the function which constructs these as a singleton? And my I, gut was, yeah, maybe someday, but it's not super critical right now. I, I If you want to, that's fine. <laughs> um, it is certainly convenient. The one thing I would make sure is that if you are using a spy bus under the hood, make sure that it's available as well mm -hmm. in case it's shared. Uh, and, you, and you can actually have, you could do like, board.spy and board.sd spy or something if you did actually have like two kind of de facto spy buses on a board um you could do that as well all right um well i did file an issue about this um okay. because it was kind of a way to say i think that this is probably a good addition for the future but i wanted to get a pull request in so um yep. yeah right. i mean i I had originally brought it up because in, in Jeff's implementation of this, we had a, a, a tuple of pins defined in pins.c, which was not really my first impression of where, mm -hmm. like I, I was used to all these other kind of default devices per board having 
you know, a, a macro defined in mpconfigboard.h, right? Right. Um, where we have we have kind of like you can go to kind of the point being you can go to mpconfigboard.h and you can see basically every reserved pin on your board other than maybe you know uh usb um so i i feel like that might be an advantage of probably i mean the the feather on on the feather 405 the the sd pins aren't really broken out on pins but mm -hmm. in the case that you did have something like that uh you might want to know you know you want you might want to have that information available in the same place everything else is right no i, th I think it's a good idea i and if you want to do it, that's great. I don't, I wouldn't say it's urgent. I would say keep an eye out for people that don't know how to create SDIOs and then, then you'll see when it would be helpful. That's good. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Lucian, that it's just like, it's the way that we've taught people to deal with buses that are internal to the board. Seems like a good idea to me. On the, on the topic of SD cards, there's the issue about the 30 STM 32F405 and and the external SD cards resolved. Uh, no, it's not. I have to I have to test it and and, and get into it. It's probably okay. some kind of how level driver issue, um, okay. which, you know, those things sometimes are really easy to resolve. Sometimes they're not. Um, okay, I didn't know. I just I just couldn't remember if it got if it. Was caught up in yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I put it on my to-do list, but um, uh, I was, I've been prioritizing the ESP32 oh, stuff. Hopefully, they'll ever need it since they have the other card. <laughs> Everyone yeah. now. Uh, but, but no, it, it's, it's on my radar. I just haven't gotten a chance to sit down and, and no, 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 thank you. see what's going on. So, Thanks. okay. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of in the weeds. So I am going to wrap this meeting up, uh, taking my last time code. Um, and Scott, you'll have to help me out because uh, I lost my notes. But this has been the CircuitPython <laughs> Weekly Meeting for uh, July 27th, 2020. Thanks for joining us. If you, for some reason, skipped ahead to the end, uh, I will remind you that there are time codes in our accompanying notes document. Use them to skip to the part that you're interested in. Uh, we would love to see you on Discord for our next meeting. Just uh, hit us up. Let us know you would like to be a member of the CircuitPythonistas so that you can join us and uh, say your piece, give your hug reports and status updates. Anyway, be well, and we will see you again in about a week. Bye, everybody. <laughs>